Scorenorth.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. TGIF Scoop Podcast and Score North Faithful. This is The Scoop Podcast, episode 270 on Score North on 1500 AM, scorenorth.com. Hopefully you have the Score North app as well. I'll for sure get to some Twins notes before this podcast is done. We are on until 7. We have the 6 o'clock hour every Friday night right here on Score North. Let's begin with Trayton Thompson, big man from Alexandria. He's playing his last couple years of high school basketball at a prep school in Indiana. He recently committed to the Gophers. In fact, he committed to the Gophers last weekend, also held offers from Iowa, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. So it had been a while, but Richard Patino strikes with a Minnesota kid. Let's talk with Trayton, find out why he committed to the Gophers and why now. Plus, we'll get to know his game and him. So let's now get to Trayton Thompson, Gophers basketball commit. Trayton, I appreciate you doing this. Let's start easy. Why Minnesota? Why the Gophers? Uh, there's a couple reasons why I chose Minnesota. Obviously, because I grew up there, I've always wanted to be a Gopher. Um, I have a lot of fans in Minnesota and everything like that. Uh, my parents, they'd be able to come see me like a lot. I'd be able to go see them. they get to watch me play. Uh, coming out to Lalamere, it was kind of hard for my grandparents to say goodbye for like two years and barely see me at all. So I thought, you know... I might as well just come home, let them watch me play for the next four years, and just give them kind of a gift. Uh, also, the facilities, they're really nice. They just got new facilities and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And everything is so close to each other that like, it's like per- a perfect fit for me. Um, where, where I'd be living is right down the street from uh, the practice facility. You can seriously walk there in like two minutes. And overall, you look at Daniel and Turo and stuff like that, you know, he he's one of the most improved big men in the league. And I feel like I can be one of those guys. I can improve really quickly. I can be a big part of Minnesota. All right, a couple, you know, things that hit me as, as you laid all that out. So I'll ask first. I mean, you say it was always your dream to be a gopher. I mean, take us through your childhood growing up in Alexandria. Did you come down often? Did you go to a lot of Gophers games? I guess, where did your Gophers fandom start? Yeah, uh, I remember my teachers, they would always talk about the Gopher games and everything like that, and I was like, oh, who are they? Uh, Back when I was, like, really, really little. um, I joined the Alexandria Aces. It's a ball performance, halftime performance team that spins the ball on their finger and everything like that. Yeah, nice. Cool tricks. We travel across the country. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember going, probably went to at least 10 Gopher games. And every Gopher game, I remember getting out and watching for a little bit. Sometimes even going going and meet the players and everything like that. And I remember one time I got really close to, to the stage, like where the, the court, I mean. And I remember seeing how big they were, and I was just, I, I was obsessed with it. And I I just loved the, the way they looked up there and how the court is raised and everything like that. And I, I just fell in love with it. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, it is a stage because it is a raised court. Who were yeah. who were some of the players that you admired growing up? Uh, I remember watching Eric Eric Curry. So I, you know, it's kind of cool. I get to talk to him now and everything like that. Amir uh, Coffey, Nate Mason. What was their big men back in the a few years ago? Well, I mean, heck, we could go back uh, any Lance, number of years. Lynch. I mean, Trevor and Bachway a number of years ago. I mean, you can go up and down the list of a lot of guys. Reggie, Reggie Lynch. I remember Reggie Lynch. Sure, watching him a lot. Uh, Akeem Springs. And uh, Murphy, you know, I just, I just remember watching all those guys, and it was just it was so much fun watching them, and I just wanted to be exactly like them. You brought up the name Daniel Oturu. I mean, I guess if Daniel fulfills his four years, when you're a freshman, he'll be a senior, although he's got he's got NBA skills. In fact, I mean, there were some NBA scouts at the game the other day, so I guess I would not be shocked if, if he ends up leaving early because I know some NBA folks really like him, but there is a chance that he could be your teammate. But when Richard Pitino was selling you on, hey, Trayton, I want you to be a gopher. Was that who he was selling you, you know, in regards to? I mean, was he using film? You know, like you go on your official visit a couple weeks ago. Was he showing you film of Oturu and saying, hey, Trayton, this is how I envision you playing? Was that was that the comparison that Richard Pitino and his staff made for you? It wasn't really uh, Daniel that he told me that I would probably be. Um, it was more like, um, like a mere coffee and stuff like that, you know, kind of like the 
four three player that can get up and down the court, run run the court really nicely, dribble the ball, shoot the ball, and you know he he referenced me as a, a mismatch nightmare. Uh, you know, as soon as they can put some some weight on me and everything like that, which I know they can. Um, if I get a smaller guy on me, go down low, post up, you know, make them put a bigger guy on me, and then go back out to the perimeter where I, I'll be faster than the other guys, and then go by the guys, so then ultimately they won't be able to guard me. I mean, is that the beauty of your game? We're talking with Trayton Thompson, Gophers basketball commit, where you are 6'11", but like, Ando Turu is trying to develop, you know, that three-point shot, but, you know, he's more of a bruiser. He's going to play inside, but is the beauty of your game at 6'11", that, that you can make the three-point shot, that you can you can play on the perimeter? Yeah, I feel like the game is changing. Um, big men are starting to be able to shoot the ball more, and, you know, I'm, a, I'm ahead of that. You know, I'm not just shooting the ball, I'm making the ball. Um, I feel like my shot my shot's really good. I feel like I can make a big impact in Minnesota. And I mean, you mentioned your time with the Alexandria Aces. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening, I certainly do, you know, whether it was halftime of some Wolves games or Gophers games, I mean, seeing the Aces perform over the years, I mean, you really need to be able to handle the ball, do all sorts of tricks. I mean, do you have like legit guard skills when it comes to handling the ball? And maybe that traces back to your time with the Alexandria Aces? Yeah, I'd say I'd, my my guard my guard handling skills, my ball handling is probably just as good as some of the guards out there. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit harder for me because I'm a little bit farther from the ground. But you know, just working on it every day, I feel like I can get there and be pretty good at dribbling the ball and everything like that. I'm being farther from the ground. I mean, you are a legit six eleven, and are you still growing? Um, I'm not sure if I'm still growing. I've had some growing pains actually the past couple weeks. So hopefully, I don't know if I want to grow anymore. But if I do, then I guess that'll be fine. All right, but right now, like as we talk today, you are like a legit six foot eleven. Yes. Yes. And then how much? How much do you weigh? One ninety. Okay, so the idea is when you're talking about, you know, that the Gopher strength staff can put weight on you. I mean, is that? Is that like the number one goal? And I mean, heck, you're still talking a good 18 months until you're even on campus. Like over the next 18 months before you hit campus, or even more than that, 20 months, 21 months, is the number one goal, Trayton, to add, what, 15, 20, 25 pounds? Yeah, I feel like being at La Lu here, you know, they they really encourage us to eat a lot, uh, get in the weight room as much as we can when we can, uh, protein shakes all the time, so... When I get into Minnesota, I feel like I'll probably be around two, two, ten, two twenty, maybe ish. And hopefully from then, I they can just keep adding weight at a decent pace, so then I'm not out of proportion and everything like that. And overall, just get heavier, stronger, and just more agile, more quickness, and everything like that. You've said at the prep school that you're at there in Indiana a couple times. I mean, I guess tell us about how you ended up there, how you made the decision to leave Alexandria and to go to this prep school for your last two years of high school. Yeah, so, you know, I was looking at myself in the mirror and everything like that, and I I just I wasn't seeing any growth. Uh, I mean, Alexandria, is a, it's a great school, but it just doesn't have what I need. Um, I need a solid weight program and everything like that. I need a constant, you know, coach keeping on me to keep eating and gaining weight. And Lalamir, they really helped me with that. I mean, they're they're very intense on that part. So I really like that. And I mean, so, and you guys play. I mean, is it is it like a legit national schedule? I mean, from a competition standpoint, I mean, I'm assuming the competition is, is a touch better than, you know, what you saw at Alexandria. Yeah, the teams that we've played already are way better than anybody I'd be playing at Alexandria. Um, I think coming up here... At the Chick-fil-A Classic down in South Carolina, I think it is. Uh, we have a chance to play Jalen Green and Plific Prep. So that would be a really big matchup for us. And then all the other games at the Chick-fil-A Classic are going to be a really good matchup. So, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it just, it made all sorts of sense. I mean, in many ways, was it an easy decision? Or, I mean, was it always a hard decision knowing that you were going to leave your parents? Uh... You know, being being with Howard Poy last year in AAU, I was away from my parents a lot. And, you know, I kind of got used to being away. Obviously, 
when you can't see your parents for like three months in a row, it kind of it kind of wears on you. But you know, it's getting me prepared for college. Um, you know, I'm not gonna be able to see my parents in college, so I feel like getting an early start on preparing myself for college. That's gonna be a really good advantage for me when I do get into college. Is your plan to play EYBL with Howard Pulley again next spring and summer? Actually, unfortunately, Howard Pulley, they're not having a 17U for some reason. Oh. I'm not too sure. So I'm actually going to be playing with D1 Minnesota. Oh, I mean, heck, I mean, you think about, you know, I mean, just in the last couple of years, right? I mean, Dawson Garcia, Ben Carlson, Tyrell Derry, yeah. you know, go up and down the list. Matthew Hurt. Zeke Naji, I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong. I mean, I guess that was probably an easy decision to land with D1 Minnesota. Yeah, yeah it was very easy. I mean, the next best in the Minnesota, so just thought they'd be a good fit for me, so I'm going to go run with them. Take us through Trayton, and we're talking with Trayton Thompson, Gophers basketball commit. Take us through the moment that you notified Richard Patino, whether it was via text, phone call, FaceTime. What was that moment like last weekend when you told Richard, hey, I'm committing to you? Yeah, I watched their game against DePaul. Um, it was kind of a scrap. I, I, I really like uh, when teams go, really go at it and everything like that. But, you know, he seemed like he really needed a 4-3 four, four, player. And, you know, not a lot of people from Minnesota stay at Minnesota. And it kind of made me mad. Like, I mean, this is our hometown. You got you to gotta represent our hometown, so why aren't you staying? And I feel like I can really change that. I can make everybody else see, you know, Minnesota is a great school. And if I want to go somewhere, this can be the school. So why not just stay home? I mean, it did catch your eye that the last couple of years, I mean, you think about, I mean, I just mentioned some of the names, whether it's, you know, Hurt, Najee, Terry, Carlson, Garcia. Not quite sure Curran Walton's going to land with the Gophers. Jalen Suggs isn't going to land with the Gophers. I mean, you take that almost personally that so many local guys have told the Gophers no? Yeah, it kind of makes me mad. I mean, it's such a good college. It, the coaching staff's awesome. They're all friendly. They're all, they're, all, they're all there to make you better. And I just don't see why people just skip over it like that, like, I'm just. I'm, I feel like I need to get some more respect from Minnesota or anything like that. You know, tell everybody that this is actually a good school, and yeah, just put on for Minnesota. I mean, I can promise you, Trey, and that is music to the ears of of so many Gophers fans. Will you now work other recruits? I mean, you know, you're the first to commit to the to the 2021 class. I mean, will you now work your angles to see if you can add another recruit or two? Yeah, I'll definitely talk to some of the some of the players in Minnesota, everything like that, like Kendall Brown, uh, Cam Heidi, Heidi. Um, I'll talk to everybody, you know, everybody that played with me last year and everything like that. Just trying to get every, the word out that you know Minnesota is a good school and everybody should go there. I'll leave you with this, Trayton. What? What area or areas, you know, on the court? I mean, you talked about wanting to add strength, you know, get up to, you know, whatever it might be, 215, 220, maybe even 225 before before you hit campus and whenever that is. I mean, 18 to 21 months. But where on the court do you need to improve your game? Um, I feel like I'm a very selfless player. Uh, I pass the ball a lot. You know, I'm a team player like that. Um but then I can also hurt the team by not taking shots, and I need to improve on my confidence and everything like that. And I'm just, you know, if I'm open, pull the ball, pull and shoot, because my teammates are relying on, on me to shoot the ball. Um, going up and down the court, you know, getting a rebound and just going with it, I need to improve on that a little bit. Uh, improve on, like, the guard skill work and everything like that, and that's going to come. So... Yeah, just and my my IQ. I need to I need to watch a little bit more basketball. You know, study it a little bit harder. Ask myself when I'm watching it, like, why do you do that? Why do you do that? Why wouldn't he do this? And just overall, just get a better feel for the game. Trayton, this was fun. You're a well-spoken young man. I look forward to to when you get here to campus here in a couple of years. Yes, me too. Well, let's keep the basketball theme going here on episode 270 of the Scoop Podcast. We transition from Trayton Thompson to ESPN analyst Fran Frischilla. He was at the barn on Monday to call the Gophers' victory over Clemson. Fran, thank you always for your time. Thank you for being back on the podcast. How about just overall thoughts? I mean, the Gophers finally get a victory over a power conference team, you think about the losses earlier in the season, too, in no particular order, who? Butler, Utah, Oklahoma, DePaul. So, 
you know, I guess they have something now they can grasp to in terms of positivity with a win over Clemson. Well, it was definitely a, a good win and probably the most complete win that the Gophers have had this season. Uh, you know, their backs were to, to the wall a little bit, Darren, based on a tough schedule, early schedule with some losses. And the DePaul loss at home was probably the most painful one. And quite frankly, we've seen that DePaul's actually a really good team. Looks like they're trending towards an NCAA bid, mm-hmm. as is Butler, by the way. Um, but I, I really was impressed. And uh, the guy it started with, I thought, was Marcus Carr because I called him out early in the game about his nonchalance against DePaul. Um, I, I watched Frag the day before. I didn't think he was particularly engaged. And uh, all in all, his best performance as a gopher, both offensively and defensively. So uh, something to build on. How much can you glean? I mean, speaking of watching practice, I guess you would have watched practice, what, on Sunday. How much can you yeah. glean, not just from watching the Gophers practice on Sunday, but all the practices that you attend? How much can you really glean from, from watching practice? You can, you can definitely tell where a team's mindset is, um, you know, whether it's early, middle, or late in the season. It is a long year. Um, I thought the team on Sunday, it was a short practice. Richard has a great command of those kids. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't see, I, I saw a team that was, you know, three and four and maybe not as confident as maybe you would have expected, you know, seven games ago. So that was the good thing about, uh, coming away with a convincing win is that it should build momentum early in the year, especially when you play a difficult schedule and you have so many key newcomers, the job of the coach is to keep everybody sane and upbeat because it is a long year and uh you know we know that uh you know four of their key guys are sophomores so um that's why i think they needed that win monday night speaking of newcomers fran i mean marcus carr was here last year after sitting out a year as as a pittsburgh transfer played well a couple years ago for the Pitt panthers as a true freshman ends up here you know heck we could argue maybe he should have been eligible last year but that's a whole other conversation but you know, is it safe to say that the Gophers in many ways go as Marcus Carr goes, and he was tremendous on Monday? Yeah, I think they do. You know, the best player on your team is always the guy sitting out as a transfer. You know what I mean? You know, because <laughs> yes. you, you always say, well, if we had Marcus Carr, we'd be so much better. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now you got him, and uh, I was frankly disappointed with a few of his performances early in the year, and uh, I thought his energy level needed to be higher. You know, it's interesting, Darren. Kelvin Sampson, a very wise guy, uh, I've heard him say this. Three guys that can never have a bad practice, your coach, your best player, and your point guard. And, uh, you know, I think that's really true. So I think the key for Marcus now, coming off what I thought was a poor performance against DePaul, is to try to keep the energy level up. And he's not going to have 23, 24 points every night. But I thought he was engaged. I thought he was aggressive. Taking 80% of that on most nights, I think uh, Gophers have a chance to be uh, you know, a, a good good basketball team. Speaking of a team's best player, in this case the Gophers, I mean, it's not Marcus Carr. Would you agree it's Daniel Oturu, that he is their best player? Yeah, no question. He, he's, he's one of the most improved players in the country. When we talked about him last year, and it was probably around this time, because I got a chance to see them at Boston College, I saw a young big kid with a lot of energy, and he just wasn't finishing around the basket. You know, he was getting there, he just wasn't finishing. And um, I saw a lot of promise, but I'm frankly pleasantly surprised that he's improved this much. And he's become a player now that I don't think you can guard one-on-one most nights. I think I think Daniel's going to see a lot of double teams. His offensive skills have improved. His ability to rebound the ball is elite. And as a sophomore, I think there's things he can do better, but he's certainly on the, on the road to being a very good college player. Looks like he can put the ball on the floor a little bit better. I mean, I recall early in the game on Monday, he got an and one, yeah. you know, I mean, really early in the game, first five, six minutes, puts the ball on the yeah. floor, beats his guy, gets an and one. I think he's, uh, you know, listen, I've seen him play away from the basket, knock down a couple threes, and I think that, uh, you know, really, the sky is the limit for him. I, I personally don't think he should do anything about the NBA for at least another year. I know their scouts going to be, you know, of course, if you play in Minnesota, everybody's going to know about you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, my, my sense is there's areas he can improve. 
and playing away from the basket would, would be one of them. But, um, yeah, I think he's capable of doing more than just score around the basket and rebound. So uh, I, I think, uh, you know, we'll have to see how the next uh, two or three months develop. But without a doubt, he's one of the most improved big guys in the country. We're talking with ESPN's Fran Fraschilla. Unfortunately, you know, you talk about Oturu, the sky's the limit. I don't think the sky is the limit for this Gophers team this year. But what is, Fran, maybe their ceiling? I mean, I think maybe 8-12 and 12 in the Big Ten. Maybe they end up finishing with, you know, like 13 or 14 wins overall. I'm not quite sure the ceiling is much beyond that. Yeah, I'm anxious to see how they develop. And um, I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree. I would say that if you're patient and you look at the fact that your four key guys are sophomores and that unless you're getting one-and-done guys – which, you know, that's not the M.O. Uh, with, with Richard's, uh, you know, Richard's situation or most situations, honestly, then you have to wait for this team to get older. And, uh, you know, with the, I like the recruits coming in. I've seen Jamal Mashburn Jr. He's a very talented young player. I think he's going to fit in nicely. I, you know, I know uh, I probably I missed the interview, but I think you just interviewed Trayton Thompson. Yes. Um, I think there's a bright future for this team because, uh, listen, if Amir Coffey were here, and if you had a, if, if he had a do-over, there's a good chance he would, you know, be on his way into the first round this year, and one of the best players in the country, as, as opposed to being a G League guy, and hurt right now. Um, you know, I think this team would be, uh, you know, uh, borderline top 25 team, but that wasn't in the cards. So, I think the bottom of the league is not very good. Although all of a sudden we've seen that the Michigan and Ohio State are better than we thought. Purdue's going to be a given. Um, Indiana seems to be getting better. So, yeah, I'm looking middle of the pack at best. But, uh, you know, a lot of good young pieces that are going to be returning, I think, for a couple of years. What about Eric Curry? I mean, he was so good a couple of years yeah. ago as a freshman. But, unfortunately for Eric, yeah. it's been one knee injury after another. But, I mean, imagine yeah. if he was healthy right now. Yeah, and I loved him as a freshman. You know, he was the ultimate, like, complimentary big that you didn't run any plays for. He just got the job done. And, uh, you know, I talking to the coaching staff, you know, he, that's just a major question mark, you know. Um, who knows? Maybe it becomes a great story a year from now or the next two years. But um, when someone's had three knee, knee injuries like he has, there is that big question mark. But, again, you know, with a little good fortune, um, that would be great to see him back. And certainly, you look at Coffee and Curry right now, this would be a completely different team. On Coffee, I mean, you think he made a mistake? I mean, I just don't know, Fran, if he would have been a first-round pick. I think he would have had to make threes at a really high clip. I mean, I think getting the 45 days, you know, they can't yeah. officially write it in the contract, but he'll be up with the Clippers yep. for 45 days. He'll make about $400,000 this year. I just think yeah. for his growth, I just don't know if he was going to get any better under the watch of Richard Pitino and his assistants. I think for his growth long-term, getting out yep. of here was the best decision. Well, I think at the time it was, and I think we even talked about that last spring when we talked uh, pre-draft, um, and I don't disagree with that, but I also have to say, you know, that's a young man that did improve quite a bit the last 10, 12 games of the season mm -hmm. um, last year, and in fact, that was the stretch that really put him in a position where NBA teams took even a harder look, because I don't think there was that much interest in, in, in Amir prior to that incredible run that got him into the NCAA tournament. So, you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but the way I, you know, listen, I, I'm going to give you a story. Josh Hart, as a junior, mm -hmm. was in exactly the same position that uh, Amir Coffey was. His, you know, the, and, you know, again, you know, it's Villanova, it's not Minnesota, but his senior year, after they won a national title and he came back, was the type of senior year that got him into the first round. And uh, and Buddy Heels, another guy that comes to mind, you know, who I don't think was a first-round pick after his junior year. So at the time, the decision looked logical, and I didn't. I don't disagree with it. But, you know, based on, you know, where he may be this entire year, yeah, he gets, he gets the couple hundred grand. But I'm just saying, if he had decided to come back, I think we'd be talking about a kid who would be probably – at least in consideration for being an All-American type player. You briefly touched on Ohio State. They are here a week from Sunday. I mean, seeing what they yeah. did at North Carolina, I mean, how good are the Buckeyes? 
Boy, I'll tell you, um, I saw them dismantle a good Villanova team that's going to be really good by the end of the year. Um, and I was impressed right away. Chris Holtman's a good friend. I think he's an outstanding coach. Um, and it's, it's kind of neat to see them doing it without a lot of guys that people have heard of, you know, Luther Muhammad and, and obviously Wesson and the freshman Carton, uh, young, the, uh, the big uh, glue guy. So, uh, it's a team that's greater than the sum of its parts. That's for sure. Um, I thought that the win over Villanova was a little bit of an aberration, uh, and, and just in terms of the way they manhandled Villanova. Um, I still think when they get into conference play and pe- people figure them out that they're obviously not going to go undefeated, but this is a team that obviously is a lot better than we all thought like maybe a month or five weeks ago. On the bottom of the Big Ten, it looks like the Wisconsin Badgers might be near the bottom. I mean, not quite Nebraska, Northwestern, but and Rutgers, yeah. but... They don't look all that good. Now, there's a lot of Wisconsin Badgers fans here in the Twin Cities. As you know, Fran, they have three They have three local guys on their team. I mean, Tyler yeah. Wall, Brad Davison, Nate Reavers. But what is going on with the Badgers with all these losses? You know, it's interesting. I, I talked to a friend of mine who covers the Big Ten and knows the Big Ten well, and I saw the Badgers in Brooklyn a couple weeks ago, and my reaction is they have Wisconsin kind of players they're just, you know, Nate Reavers, nice player. He's not Ethan Happ, you know. Um, uh, Trice, nice player, but he, you know, he's not one of the Bohannons, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Davidson, same, similarly, good player, but but he's, you know, he's not a Bohannon type player. And they fit the style and the system. And and listen, I love Great Guard. It's just that he's not Bo Ryan, who's who's heading into the Hall of Fame someday, maybe. Mm-hmm. So. They play like the Wisconsin teams that we're used to. I just don't think the talent level is where it's been, you know, that we've come, we came to expect over a 15-, 17-year period. Speaking of talent level, I mean, you think about some of the other kids from, from the state here, Fran. I mean, Matthew Hurt, yeah. he's had some moments at Duke, but what about Zeke Naji at Arizona and Tyrell yeah. Terry at Stanford? Yep. I mean, Tyrell is a Minneapolis kid, De La Salle High School. Zeke went to Hopkins, sure. won a state championship last year. What about Naji? And Tyrell Terry, yeah. the starts that they are off to. Well, as you recall now, I don't, I don't, you know, I love coming to Minneapolis. It's a, one of my favorite cities. But as you recall, I, over a couple conversations, the one thing we've talked about is how much better high school basketball has gotten in the state. I can remember as a young coach at Manhattan College 24 years ago trying to steal a, a kid by the name of Nate Homestead out of Monticello, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Monticello, yeah. Where Pris- mm-hmm. where Monticello, where Prisbilla played. Absolutely. And at the time, we, we almost got him to come to Manhattan College because there were no Division One schools within, I don't know, a couple hundred miles of the, you know, of, uh, of the state. And that's changed now, obviously, the Summit League, and, and, ob- and obviously the talent levels improved. But it's great to see. You know, I think Najee's going to be a first-round pick sooner than later. I agree. That, that that kid is uh, really taking, I think, the Pac-12 by storm, as as uh, you know Tyrell and uh, you know uh, the other guys too. You know, there's other there's other kids. Uh, I did a top ten of my own, and I think I had two Badgers in the top ten. I think I had uh, Daniel third and Kalsher ninth. Um, mm. And I said on the air that while it's really hard to keep every Minnesota kid home. Because, frankly, if you go up in Minneapolis, it's not unusual to want to go away. Correct. By the way, honestly, Darren, they're not – we couldn't keep – when I was at St. John's, I couldn't keep Elton Brand home, even though I signed four of his AAU teammates, and one of them was Ron Artest. Um, and I, right now, Richard – there's nobody else that's going to keep her and the Joneses home, but it's, it's the other guys, you know, like uh, that develop into good high-level players that I think – for Minnesota to be successful, I think you got to have three or four of the top ten and not two because um, there are going to be kids that just want to be close to home in front of their family, but yet there's going to be other kids from places like Chicago and New York that are going to fall in love with Minneapolis because you have a major Big Ten institution with great academics, great athletic program, and it's a, and it's a pro sports town as well. And so uh, you still have to go out of state and get, I'd say, most of the kids on your roster. But you got to have maybe 
more than three or four, and maybe five or six would be a good number. You're absolutely right. I mean, Fran, this is a very provincial marketplace, so it's really hard, specifically when talking about Gophers fans, when a prospect tells the Gophers no, like Dawson Garcia, just a couple weeks ago, top 25 player in the 2020 class, he tells the Gophers no to go to Marquette. I think it's really hard for Gophers fans to accept losing a kid to Marquette, or you lose Ben Carlson to Wisconsin, or you lose Gabe Matson, a Rochester Mayo kid, to Cincinnati, or last year David Roddy goes to Colorado State. I think I think fans, for the most part, can understand Matthew Hurt going to Duke, right? You yeah. go to a blue blood. They understand that. I think it's hard, though, for fans when you end up losing pretty good players to schools that you think you should be beating out. Well, that's true, but I'll give you another example. You know, the, the reverse of that is Trayton Thompson, who is not a Minneapolis kid. You know, he grew up four, two hours from, mm-hmm. from the Twin Cities, and yeah. that's a kid that, you know – gets down to campus and sees the, you know, the target center and the U S bank stadium. And, you know, it's easy to fall to me. It's easy to fall in love with Minneapolis if you're not a Minneapolis kid. So, um, I, I've, my experience has been when you're in a town, in a, in a place where that there is talent more often than not, they want to leave rather than stay. And, um, that's true of most places around the country. Even Michigan State, you know, even Michigan, um, I've, I've seen that happen. So, again, uh, being totally forthright, um, and I, we, Richard and I talked about this, you know, about keeping kids home. I think they got to get it to a point where four or five of the top, the top ten in a given three- or four-year period are on the roster. Right now, I look at it as Kalsher and, uh, and Oturu. And I, don't, I wouldn't count Jarvis O'Mersa in there because I don't think he'd be a top 10 on my list. No, and, you know, I mean, Michael Hurts from Rochester, but he probably doesn't crack that list either. But you're right. I mean, you need to occasionally land a player too. But frankly, Fran, I don't care if the kid's from Miami, Paducah, Kentucky. I mean, if you help the team win, the program win, yes. who cares where you're from? Like you mentioned, I mean, I think getting Jamal Mashburn Jr. is one yeah. heck of a recruiting win for Richard Patino. Well, I agree, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you the other thing that happens, uh, Darren. I've seen it happen. Once you have too many kids from one place, and a couple of those guys aren't playing, it's um, it's not a good, healthy situation because more parents are involved than ever. More coaches are involved. More AAU guys are involved, and they start talking. And they'll, they, you know, I, I'm telling you, this goes on all over the country. Hey, you know what? Um, yeah, he's close to home, but why is that kid? I, what, my guy kicked that guy's butt in AAU when they were playing against Howard Pulley, you know? That's how it works. It's uh, crazy, but that's just how it works. Let me ask you about one more guy from the metropolitan area that is one heck of a story. He's at Baylor, so he's in your neck of the oh. woods. Freddie yeah. Gillespie, I mean, his story <laughs> is incredible. I'll be frank with you, Fran. He was not on my radar, and you know how much I do when it comes to high school basketball here in the Metro. Yeah. He was not on my radar when he was at Eastridge High School. That's the Ben Carlson High School, Kendall Brown, who's now at Suns Academy, but he was there. I mean, Eastridge High School produces really good players. I didn't do anything with Freddie coming out of high school. He ends up at Division Three Carlton, which is you know an hour, hour and a half here from, from the Twin Cities. But lo and behold, a few years later, he's like a big-time player for the Baylor Bears, a top-25 team. Well, you're not alone, and uh, and you know, listen. When he transferred to Baylor, he was really an afterthought to me. I watched practice; he was still a walk-on, and uh, you know, I thought it was one of those deals where somebody knew somebody. As it turned out, that was the case. But and I'll you know we'll go into it in a little detail. But I will tell you, absolutely stunning. Uh, this young man is likely not to end up averaging a double-double this year, but he's going to be close. And it's a remarkable story, I think, of perseverance more than anything else. And for those of your listeners on the podcast, when he got to Baylor, he got there because, um, and you may know uh, Al Nunez, uh, a former high school coach in the area, his son Jared is on the staff. Yeah, Jared Baylor. Nunez. Yeah, Jared's a friend. Yeah, yeah. Jared's fantastic. And, I wish Jared was on the Gopher staff. Yeah, Jared is, is a rising star, and Jared Nunez, um, his his dad Al worked for Justin's the ring company. Yeah, as did Freddie's mom, and Freddie's oh, mom casually okay. mentioned, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. She said, "Hey, my my son is a, a Division three player. He's getting a little bit better, and he'd love to transfer to a bigger school." 
Freddie was watching the ACC tournament his sophomore year at Carlton, and when they were tell- talking about guys being 6'9", 240, he said, wait a minute, I'm 6'9", 240. Yeah. And, and so the next thing you know, he got the opportunity, uh, worked really hard, is a complete gym rat. He's obviously an excellent student, too, if you go to Carlton. And the next thing you know, he's become one of the great stories, at least not only in the Big 12, but if Baylor is as good as I think, Darren, he's going to be a story uh, that's going to continue to grow. It's, uh, it's the legend of Freddie Gillespie. Fran, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. Always a pleasure, Darren. ESPN's Fran Fraschilla. When we come back here in the podcast, we will talk Vikings. Stay with us. You're listening to this. Welcome back. It is Scoop Podcast episode 270 on this Friday night, the 6th of December, right here on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. Hopefully you have the Score North app as well. It is free. Track it down on your Apple or Android device. There are prizes you can win. It is very, very, very crucial. If you have any interest in winning some prizes, having access to all the latest on the Minnesota sports scene that you have, the Score North app. Yes, I'm clearly biased, but I highly recommend making sure that you have the Score North app. All right, we should catch up with Ryan Harris, good buddy. He helped broadcast the Viking Seahawks game on a national level on Monday. Ryan Harris, St. Paul native, should join us in just a bit, but let's get to some notes before Ryan hopefully joins us. I want to get his national perspective on the Vikings. Let's start with the Twins. So the news came out earlier today, ESPN, the first to report that the Twins have agreed to terms with Alex Avila. One year, $4.25 million. I was curious, did the Twins make a comparable offer to Jason Castro? Did they have interest in retaining Jason Castro? The answer is no. Now, Jason is looking for more of a starting job. Keep in mind that Jason shares an agent with Mitch Garver, so the agent has been shopping Jason around, looking for a starting job, not necessarily a backup job. So really, both sides, it was always pointing toward Jason Castro moving on. So the Twins have their backup catcher in Alex Avila. By the way, Alex Avila's agent also represents Rick Porcello and D.D. Gregorius. You can bet that both names have come up between Jim Murray and the Twins. In no particular order, some other Twins notes. Trevor Hildenberger has the option to come back to the Twins on a minor league assignment. For now, he is rejecting that. He is shopping around. He is looking for a new opportunity. The Twins know to get Madison Bumgarner that they'll have to go to five years. Now, whether he would even take a five-year deal to come to Minnesota remains to be seen. The belief is that manager Rocco Baldelli has had a conversation with Madison. So the Twins are making Bumgarner after swinging and missing on Zach Wheeler, offering Wheeler five years. You know, remember, we've talked about this in the podcast before, that the Twins have been reluctant to offer any pitcher five years. They did budge a couple years ago on Yu Darvish, They budged on Zach Wheeler. They did offer Zach Wheeler a five-year deal for around $100 million. He ultimately lands earlier this week with the Phillies, five years, $118 million. So the Bumgarner camp looks at that and says, okay, about the same age. Now, Madison has thrown way more innings than Zach Wheeler, but the Bumgarner camp is aiming for a five-year deal. Whether he ultimately gets it remains to be seen, but there is an internal belief at Target Field that the Twins will have to go to five years to even have a chance, and even if they offer five years, no guarantee that they get him. The Twins continue to talk to teams about some trade targets. Those talks will pick up next week at the winter meetings in San Diego. So they remain busy. This is not it. Resigning Michael Pineda and bringing in Alex Avila, this is not their entire offseason. By the way, on Pineda, other teams that had interest, the Braves, the Giants, the White Sox, the Blue Jays, and Rangers. So he had some options. He comes back here. It's prorated. It's like two years, a little over $17 million. In many ways, the Pineda deal is a steal of a deal. But he does feel like, talking to somebody close to him, he does feel like that he owes the Twins, that he let the Twins down last year. There's a comfort level. He really enjoys being here. He enjoys working under the watch of Wes Johnson, others with the Twins. So even if he had a bigger money offer, he was always interested in coming back here. On Kyle Gibson, I found out the other day that deal is now official in Texas. Three years, $28 million or $27.5 million guaranteed. Then he can earn like another $3 million 
in incentives. So if he hits the incentives, he'll actually make a little bit more than the reported $30 million. But the guarantee is short of $30 million. But anyway, the Twins had zero interest, for whatever reason or reasons, the Twins had zero interest in retaining Kyle Gibson. All right, let's transition to the Gophers men's basketball team. They had the game on Monday, finally beat a power conference team. They beat Clemson. We talked about that extensively in the first segment of the podcast with both Trayton Thompson, future Gopher, and ESPN's Fran Frischilla. Anyway, at that game, these teams, these NBA teams, had scouts. The Mavs, the Knicks, and the Bucks. They are keeping a watchful eye on Daniel Oturu. Not just Oturu, but in that game, Gophers, Clemson Tigers, Daniel Oturu, the top NBA prospect. I was over at Hopkins High School the other day. I caught up with Kerwin Walton. He is going to wait to sign until the spring. So he's still pretty open. He was at a recent Gophers game. He was at the DePaul game last weekend, or at least on, I guess, when was that? Black Friday. Kerwin Walton is still considering the Gophers just because the Gophers have Jamal Mashburn Jr. It's not like Walton is saying, no, I can't coexist with Mashburn Jr. Walton is still considering the Gophers. Now, would I bet on him landing with the Gophers? I would not, but he is still keeping an open mind. Arizona wants him. North Carolina wants him. Kansas, he actually continues dialogue with Creighton and some other schools. He did visit Cal Berkeley as well a few weeks ago. Vanderbilt has some interest. Jerry Stackhouse expected in town to watch a few recruits over the weekend at the breakdown, this great high school event, Saturday at Hopkins High School at Lindbergh Center. All the best players in the state will be playing throughout the day. Games start early in the morning. They go deep into the evening. So if you're a high school basketball fan, Lindbergh Center, Hopkins High School is the place to be all day on Saturday. I also caught up with the Hopkins girls basketball team. Pretty cool to be in the same gym. You have both defending state champions. Anyway, the girls, you know, I mean, they're stacked with Paige Beckers, with Maya Najee, Zeke Najee's sister. They have six college players. They have five with high major offers. I mean, Paige Beckers is going to play in the WNBA. She'll play at UConn starting next year. She is the best guard in the country. Talking to Paige, talking to Maya Najee, talking to Brian Cosgriff, the head coach there at Hopkins, they actually have talked about going to the Geico Nationals tournament after the state tournament. Now, the Minnesota State High School League would not sanction them, so... It's going to be difficult to navigate that, no guarantees, but they are at least exploring their options in terms of playing for a national championship. I mean, the Hopkins girls feel like they have the best girls team in the entire country. I think the USA rankings have them number two in the country, but they feel like that they should have an opportunity to play for a national championship. So that is something that they are exploring. On Gophers football, the two mini Haha Academy kids, Caden Johnson, Terry Lockett, were guests of the Gophers for the Badgers game. I texted with Caden. We'll have Caden on a future podcast. Caden said he had a good time. He certainly is considering both the Gophers and the Badgers and Nebraska and LSU. So he's still whittling down his options. Coaches expected to visit with Caden over the next week or so. I think it's pretty much Nebraska or Wisconsin. You know, he's showing interest. He likes P.J. Fleck. He's showing interest in staying home. But if I had to bet, I don't think Caden Johnson ends up a gopher. On Lockett, Michigan State, Purdue. But I would say the Gophers have a shot on Lockett. Of the two, the Gophers have a better chance to land Terry Lockett than they do Caden Johnson. On the Wolves, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN had the note on Twitter on Thursday night that Andrew Wiggins has changed representation He is now represented by Creative Arts Agency, CAA. They also represent Gerson Rosas, Carl Anthony Towns, Robert Covington, Jordan Bell. So CAA has its fingerprints all over the Wolves now in addition to having Wiggins. Specifically, though, here's where I can advance Woj's note. It's Drew Morrison, an up-and-coming agent, Drew Morrison, who helps rep Robert Covington. He will be the point person on Andrew Wiggins. The Wolves over the last few days have scouted BYU and Texas Tech. Both college programs have some interesting NBA prospects. The Wolves are scheduled to have a scout at this weekend's Baylor-Arizona game. Zeke Najee, Mannion, the point guard from Arizona. Arizona's got all sorts of future NBA players. On the Vikings, 
My understanding is Adam Thielen has not had a setback. I know it looks weird. The optics are not good. But my understanding is Adam Thielen has not had a setback. This is not a season-ending injury. I'm led to believe, if he can't be out there on Sunday, that a week from Sunday, the game in Los Angeles against the Chargers, that he would be on the field, unless he has some sort of setback. Hamstring injuries are incredibly tricky, but I'm told there has not been a setback. Now, it was trending in the right direction early last week for him to return on Monday in Seattle. Clearly, we know he did not. He did not practice Wednesday. He did not practice Thursday. So if he can't go on Sunday against Detroit, do look for him to return Sunday the 15th against the Chargers. Remember, by the way, that game got flexed out of Sunday Night Football. That is now a 3.05 local start time, 3.05 Twin Cities time on Sunday the 15th. Vikings GM Rick Spielman scouted a couple games last weekend. He went to go watch his son, J.D. Spielman, at Nebraska. So he was at the Iowa-Nebraska game. Then on Saturday, Rick Spielman was at TCF Bank Stadium to scout the Gophers and the Badgers. Spielman is omnipresent. He loves to scout. Unfortunately, Ryan Harris is not, although we actually have a new audio system here at Score North, so I didn't quite know where I was time-wise, and I'd like to have Ryan on for a good 10 or 15 minutes. I just don't have that time here with us being so close to 7 o'clock, so I am pushing Ryan Harris back, so I lied. No Ryan Harris here on episode 270, but how about this? I do have a conversation with Nick Anderson. He resides in Minneapolis. He was one of the best relievers in Major League Baseball last year, both for the Miami Marlins. Then at the trade deadline, he was traded to the Tampa Bay Rays. I caught up with Nick the other day. He actually came over here to Hubbard Broadcasting. I caught up with Nick. Here's a brief conversation with Twin Cities resident, Tampa Bay Rays reliever, Nick Anderson. Nick, Upper Midwest Player of the Year. When I say that, Nick Anderson, Upper Midwest Player of the Year. What's your reaction? Yeah, I have to say it's an honor. Um, I don't, I don't pay attention to awards or anything. Uh, I kind of joke around. I say that's kind of for family and friends. So uh, honestly, I didn't even know that the Upper Midwest uh, Player of the Year kind of was even a thing until until afterwards. But yeah, I mean, I can be more more than honored to to get the award. I mean, I suppose it just it puts a spotlight on the success you had this year. How much fun was this year? It was unbelievable. I, I couldn't. I couldn't have told you that it was going to happen this way, and I couldn't have told you it was going to be as much fun, um, especially the postseason. And you know, even getting even getting traded a couple of times since last year, it it still you know I've met a lot of new people, a lot of awesome people, and it, it's it's been an awesome year. Your numbers were good in Miami, but then they went to another level when you joined the Tampa Bay Rays. What changed? Why was August, September, the postseason so successful for you? You know, I don't know if it was just a little bit of heightened, um, you know, anxious, kind of want to get out there, you know, with a new team and just kind of kind of bumped you up a little bit or, or not. But it was just or maybe just, you know, going along the year and getting a little more comfortable. You know, hey, I've been I've been in the big leagues for four months already. You know, it's the same thing. So and just kind of I just kind of try to keep it flatlined and not get not get too excited for the moment. And I, I try to do that during the during the playoffs too and um that's i guess that's something that kind of works out for me but yeah it's it's been awesome i mean speaking of awesome i mean just dream come true to finally achieve your dream of making it to the majors yeah it's i'm i'm here i guess i made it now um so i don't know what the next step is except just kind of you know have a good have a good off season and get my body as as good as possible for next year and uh you know hopefully hopefully be able to log even some more innings and and help the team in the same way I did this year. What's your message to Twins fans watching this saying, boy, I wish Nick Anderson was was in our bullpen? <laughs> it's part of baseball. It's part of baseball. Um, yeah, it's it's just the way it works. Um, you know, it's I was looking for just opportunity to play, and um, it just didn't work out and not the right time uh, with, the, with the Twins. So now with the Rays and couldn't be more happy. I love it with them. So... Uh, I don't really think I'm from Minnesota, so whether I'm with the Twins or not, you know, I guess if you're a Minnesota native and you want to be a fan, you'd be a fan. Um, I know I like Minnesota sports, uh, but I'm a I'm a Tampa Bay right now. But I mean, there's also a a good feeling when talking about the Twins too, because they took the hint on you. You're an indie ball; they bring you to organized ball. 
you climb up the ladder, you make it all the way to AAA Rochester. Unfortunately, didn't make it to the majors with the Twins, but they put you in a position to ultimately land in Miami and make it to the majors with the Marlins. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's every step is just seemed to work out and um, and could led me to where I'm at. So, you know, uh, I, I couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity from the Twins, um, from Billy Milos, actually, the independent scout that signed me. Um, with the twins uh we talked we built a great rapport uh, we still talk um and he's a great guy and he put he put his faith in me as well um you know convincing the twins to take me so uh everybody everybody's played a part in in my life of of i guess making it to the big leagues or who i am today uh, or being where i'm at so it's i can i got i got no grudges no no hostility nothing like that i, I don't think uh there's too many great things to be happy about with life to to do that so i'm i'm thankful for everybody that's played a part speaking of life i mean take us through the next few months and i'll let you go after this but like when do you ramp up your off-season throwing i mean just take us through you know as we approach december what december and january look like for you yeah i'm still kind of playing it out i'm, I'm looking at doing a couple of different things for my body um technology and and stuff to try to get even more sound for for next year um like i said hopefully hopefully get you know be able to throw even more innings more games so it's i'd, I'd probably say i'm gonna pick up a ball and maybe you know two three weeks and just kind of uh maybe just like apply a ball and start just kind of moving my arm around and you know maybe grease it greasing the joints up a little bit um yeah and, and just work out and and uh yeah, kind of get ready for ready for spring training February 12th or whenever whenever it is. So, I mean, this is normal then. So, I mean, you throw your last pitch like, I don't know, like mid-October because the Rays, you guys made it to the postseason. But you give yourself a good, what, like four, five, six weeks where you don't even touch a baseball? Yeah, so last year actually, well, for the last actually, I want to say four years, every offseason's kind of gotten shorter and shorter for, for taking time off of throwing. Um... I want to say last year I maybe took three weeks or four weeks off, um, and then I just and then I started moving my arm, so and like using that plyo ball and just throwing it against the wall. But this being that this is my longest year that I've had most throwing, um, I've really been trying to figure out kind of where I need to where I need to start. Um, you know, how much time do I need to take off? So probably sitting around, yeah, the I don't know five week five six weeks um mark and uh yeah kind of start going from there great pitcher even better guy nick anderson twin cities resident one other note the wild remain confident that they will land the 2021 winter classic we are done have a great weekend everyone this does it for scoop podcast episode 270 it's mackie here